right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time that. Right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. All right, five shows left, five shows remaining. I, I, for me, you know, for other people are counting down and like, okay, only five left. Christ, let's get it over with, you know? Like you, for instance. You, you've been trying to backstab me the entire time. <laughs> you got me. And you finally are going to get your way. You you son of a... I always win. Hope you're happy. Can't stop me. Finally got rid of me. Larry Brown. Can't is, stop him. Is joining Penny Hardaway's staff at Memphis. He is 81 years old. And the bag, ladies and gentlemen, has once again been secured if you thought Penny Hardaway was engaging in shady dealings before just wait till my guy LB hits the town there is absolutely no way no way that is going to end positively no chance in hell dude are you kidding me he's 81 years old and Gary Bedore tweeted this out earlier said that uh, he's only been an assistant one time before uh, at at, uh, North Carolina. He hasn't coached since 2018 when he was coaching overseas in Italy. What's he doing? He's bored. He can't deal with just like normal retirement. Everywhere Larry Brown goes, there's some shady bleep going on. Yeah, SMU got Some, popped. They got somebody's getting ban. somebody's getting investigated every single time Larry Brown comes into town. You ever wonder why Larry Brown never wound up on KU staff? It's like, yeah, well, you can hang around, but no, like, didn't. When we're the not NCAA, gonna make, we're not gonna like put you on payroll. NCAA when they gave their notice of allegations to KU, like they mentioned the stuff that Larry Brown did back in like 1988. Yeah, I mean, he left the the, the reason. I mean, KU's got the longest postseason streak in college basketball right now. They haven't missed one since 1989. The irony is that that streak would actually be longer than what it is, which is what, like 32 years now? If it weren't for Larry Brown, because he left the program on probation. They didn't go in 1989 because of him, the first year of Roy Williams. So that streak would actually be extended had... Larry Brown not gotten in trouble. I don't even remember what he what he did. Um, it's hard to keep track. Was that the... Who am I thinking of with Marcus Camby? Who got in trouble with Marcus Camby? That well, was, that was Calipari. That was Calipari yeah. at UMass. But wasn't, wasn't Larry Brown something similar? I should know this. Um, didn't he fly somebody out? Or was it uh, was it with Ed Manning thing? Is he going to be the bag man for? Maybe I'll for say Penny this Hardaway? though: wherever he's gone, they've been successful. 
Right? Like you went to SMU right when they were. Yes, because he's one of the most brilliant basketball minds ever. So, I mean, that can't hurt. Honestly, you know, screw the NCAA. Who cares if you're dropping bags? Maybe with NIL, this is like the perfect time for Larry Mm. Brown to. Yeah, now he can do it legally. He'll just drop bags with like, hey, car company, pay this player X. It was Vincent S. Askew who was provided with money to leave campus to visit his ill grandmother. So. That's what they got him on? Doesn't sound that bad. Huh. So, now I feel bad. Yeah. No, I don't know. Larry Brown's. Way to go. It's not the only time. We're dropping your five days left down to four. (laughs) (laughs) You lost it. What do you mean we? (laughs) Who's making these decisions around here? Hey, the transfer portal. Might not be dead just yet. Marcus Carr from Minnesota just withdrew his name from the NBA draft. Coming back for another season. Second team all Big Ten last year. One of the most prolific scorers in the country on the open market. Would you like to step into the transfer portal? I would. There is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to the average basketball fan. It is a dimension as large as Wilt and as timeless as Perry Ellis. It is the middle ground between staying and leaving, between wins and losses, and it lies between the pit of recruiting and entrance to the NBA. This is the dimension of new schools. It is an area which we call the transfer portal. Marcus Carr is in the transfer portal. If you bring in Marcus Carr, who are you going to get rid of? Oshai staying in the draft. He didn't have a great showing last week. No, he didn't, but... Doesn't matter. Well, I mean, I would like to think at this point, with the combine done now, I would like to think at this point, the KU coaching staff has been told by Oshai what the decision is going to be. Don't you think he's doing interviews right now? Don't you think he's doing private workouts and stuff like that? Maybe, but... I'll say this. If Ochai has not decided yet, after having a poor showing he's got at the a week, Combine... He's got a week from today. Yeah. If Ochai has not decided yet, after kind of a poor showing at the Combine, that tells me he is staying in. Because that wasn't enough to deter it, right? Whereas if he told the team he's coming back, maybe it was. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's not factual. Maybe he does need the whole week to evaluate. You know, that's probably the smart thing to do. Yeah, honestly, the more we talk about it, the more I feel like we're wasting too much time talking about Ochai. I think he's a really good player, but it just doesn't really move the needle for me on what KU is going to be able to accomplish next year. He's going to be your third option at best. He will be your third option. He will be your spot-up shooter just like he was mm-hmm. two years ago. You know who wouldn't be your third option? Who? Marcus Carr! <laughs> oh. I wouldn't he, though? He might be second. I think he'd be ahead of day. I mean, he is a stud. Like, he... I don't know where he would rank in accordance with, like, Remy Martin in, like, those transfer lists. Um, But I think I saw him, like, number one on a lot of transfer lists. He's a guy who averaged for his career five assists per game. A couple years ago at Minnesota, he averaged over six assists per game. So, like, he's going to be comfortable if you play him next to another guard. He's 6'2". He gives you a little more height than you have with Joe Yesifu. You can bring Yesifu off the bench in that situation. Uh, You know what? No, I'm I'm married to Yesifu being a big-time player next year. So, anything that changes that reality. So, because Marcus Carr is good, you don't want him? If he's better than Joe Yesifu, I don't want him. (laughs) Okay, it's like, well, we could get this good player, but why would we want I'm committed to making sure that Joe Yesifu becomes a thing. Remember that dunk he had? Mm Mm-hmm. 
That was cool. Yeah. I want more of that. That's cool. But he can come off the bench and still do that. Nah. Super score off the bench. I want him to average like 20 a game. Well, good luck with that. I want him to be the number one. Mm-hmm. I don't even care if the team's good. <laughs> I just want him to get his. I don't. I don't know. Maybe maybe Ochai has made his decision. I would imagine he's looking for assurances right now, trying to get those. Uh, but let's say let's say he told the coaching staff. And again, this is just it's not me suggesting anything. It's just hypothetically, if he would have told the coaching staff by now, hey, I'm staying in the draft. Do you go after Marcus Carr, or is that back to the conversation we've had over the course of this offseason? You're not getting too him. much competition. You're not getting him. But yeah, do you're you not try. Do you try? I don't know. Uh, I mean, Jennifer Lopez walks into the same bar that you're in, trying to get her number, or are you just like, uh, <laughs> all right, maybe that's too old of a reference. Kendall Jenner. Okay. Are you going to try? I'm like, what? Did you try? It's like, no, it was Kendall Jenner. No, I didn't try. She was with an NBA player. You're not getting Marcus Carr. Why not? What do you mean, why not? You don't just get to get all the best guards. Why not? Marcus Carr is going to go somewhere where he can be Marcus Carr and shoot 20 times a game. Maybe he just wants to go to a winning team. He could have done that. He could shoot 20 times a game in Minnesota. He's leaving Minnesota. You know why? Probably wants to be in the NCAA tournament. Probably wants to be on a good team. Come to Kansas. Devontae and Frank is now Marcus and Remy. Didn't he start somewhere before Minnesota? Yeah, Pittsburgh. He took a lot of shots last year. There's not enough... There are not enough balls on the court for Marcus Carr and Remy Martin to share backcourt. No, no, sir, will not happen. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't, I don't want it. Got to sacrifice for the team. No, these kids are these kids. This is not 29 year old, 30 year old LeBron trying to win another ring. These are kids who want to get theirs so they can look better and get drafted. Okay, these aren't guys. Oh, we're gonna put. Oh, we're going to put it aside to win it. No, you're not. All right, I'm going to go Kentucky super fan here. But how many shots did Devin Booker average in college, Nick? Yeah, why hasn't John Calipari gone back to that? <laughs> Riddle me that. Why isn't Calipari doing the platoon system every year? I got a take for you, actually. Mm. This is a take, Quake. <laughs> David McCormick. All-American candidate next year. He will be a second-team All-American. Depending on how the voters determine it, he could be a first-team All-American. He so will be. You think David? McCormick, he will be one of the top ten players in college basketball next right. year. What are you going to do? Uh, I'm not going to be here in a week. What are you going to do? Hold it against me? <laughs> are you going to play this tape in November and say, "See, told you." I can say whatever I want, but that's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. No, care to wager something then? Since you're so confident that. What do you want? I want you to hmm, streak down Jayhawk Boulevard if where, you're wrong. Jay, where, Jayhawk Boulevard on campus? No, yeah. that's I'm not a college student. That's <laughs> indecent exposure. They'll arrest me for that, and I'll probably get fired. Um, listen, here's this. Let me hear me out first. At least let me hear hear my explanation before you try to climb all over me here David McCormick before last year what did we hear coming into the season 
that he was going to be a monster. He was the best player during the offseason. Nobody could guard him. The offense was going to run through him. He was going to be the guy, the alpha. And then what happened? Season started, and he didn't look great. And we found out the reason he looked so good in the offseason was because he was being guarded every day by Mitch Lightfoot. Maybe. I mean, that was a working theory that we had. That was a working theory that we had. But then, about halfway through the season, something changed. And Dave became a different player. He went from being a guy who was shooting about 45% from the field to about 57% from the field. He went from being a guy who was averaging 10 a game to averaging 15, 16 a game. I mean, this was, over the last two months of the season, the big guy in the Big 12. And what's going to happen next year? He's going to be on a better team with a better offense, with more spacing, and guess what? Less individual expectations. Nobody's talking about David McCormick right now. They're talking about Remy Martin. You got the number one transfer in the country. This guy averaged 19 a game for two straight years. He's going to come in. He's going to be your catalyst. He's going to be your alpha. If Ochai comes back, he was your leading scorer. He becomes a better shooter. His numbers go up. All the talk is on everybody else. Joe Yesifu, Jalen Will. Nobody's talking about David McCormick. Everybody, Bill Self and his staff thought he was going to be the best player on the team last year. And we thought they were foolish for two months, but by the end of the season, damn it, it looked like they were right. He looked like the best player on the team. So we do it with everybody else. With every other player, what do we say? Oh, you're better. You're older, you're better. You come back, you mature a little bit, you improve on some things. Why don't we do that with Dave? Why don't we do that with Dave? while also coupling it with the fact, like we have with everybody else, that the circumstances are going to be better for him. That there will be more spacing, more room for him to operate. Defenses aren't just going to be able to collapse on him. He's still going to get the touches. All signs point to him having a better season next year than he did last year. And if your reasoning that he won't is because, well, Remy's still going to be the guy. Remy's still going to take a lot of shots. Okay. Name the last time KU had a big guy they didn't play through. It was Landon Lucas. It was Landon Lucas, who was a glue guy, who honestly, with all due respect to him, never should, I mean, was never expected to be a starting big guy. David McCormick was the McDonald's All-American. David McCormick was a guy the coaching staff thought was going to be their best player last year. He's not that guy, okay? It's like that meme. You're not, you're not that guy, You're pal. not that guy, pal. <laughs> you're not that guy. i tell you what, you're not that guy. God, that guy would. That guy's probably gotten into a lot of grocery store fights. <laughs> He's done that before. Or uh, rec league softball parking lot. <laughs> you're not that guy, man. But let me tell you. <laughs> David McCormick is that guy. What is she? I mean... <laughs> Last month of the season, he was averaging 16, 8, a block and a half. Who's to say he can't be a 17 and 10 guy and one or two blocks per game? I am. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the first issue is how is he going to get enough shots when you're the third option to Remy Martin and Marcus Carr? I think we need to get to that first. Uh, but honestly, 
my biggest thing with with Dave, I do think he'll have a really good year. I just wouldn't go as far to say like first, second team All American. That's just a lot. Like a lot has to go right well, for they're you gonna to be, be a first or second. They're going to be one of the top two or three yeah, teams in the country. It'll help. And generally speaking, that that helps. I wonder from just like a schematic standpoint. You talk about opening up the floor by having these better players, by having more shooters, all that stuff around you. I mean, how much does that help a guy like Dave? This isn't a, a situation where, okay, it's Christian Brown, where it's like he is dependent on getting a set shot, somebody else creating yeah. for him to get an open shot. Dave does his work mostly posting up, right? So you're going to throw him the ball, and he's still going to back down, right? Like, where's going to be the big advantage of having... Well, the last time KU had a bunch of shooters, I distinctly remember the big guy setting the NCAA record for field goal percentage. Yeah, because he's you doke as a bookie and he's oh, a giant. So that dunks everything, but it's a completely isolated. I think no, see, but that's different. that's what I'm saying. Udoka, yes, he would get some points for you on the block. He would get that little hook shot going and stuff. But Udoka also was dominating with he would get drop-offs. You'd get him on a pick-and-roll, and he'd dunk the ball, Yeah, right? that's a big thing. It's like, will how Dave off, dunk? Yeah. Will Dave right. dunk? And how often do you see Dave's points coming? Like with, like I said, with Udoka, he would get those alley-oops on the pick-and-roll. Okay, roll. well, here's the thing. Have you seen that with Dave? Maybe not, but here's the thing. To make a proclamation like that, you're not just. I'm not just going to make it based off, oh, all signs point to an All-American season. No, there's got to be a leap. There has to be a prediction that will happen, and that's my prediction. Dave will start dunking. Dave will start realizing that he's 6'10 and 260 pounds. He will start using his physicality. There you go. That's my prediction. And it's not that bold of one. I'm not saying that Dave's going to be wet from 21 feet. Like, that would be a tough one to do. I'm saying Dave is going to start being a physical big man. Because from a physical standpoint, there aren't many guys that should be able to hang with him. No. Dave never gets on the court and looks like, oh, that guy's just got a huge physical advantage over him. That never happens. Never happens. I think the other thing working against you there is just the idea that how many minutes is he going to play? I mean, because Udoka— 25. Udoka's an All-American. He was able to play, you know, 25 minutes a game. But that was—most big men don't make the All-American list going 13-9, and which is what Udoka did, right? Yeah, right. So if Dave gives you 13 and 9, 13 and 10, he's probably not making the list because the difference there with Udoka was he was the best defensive big man in the country. He was maybe the best defensive player in the country, and he shot 75%. Dave's not going to have those caveats that Doke had. So if he's only playing 25 minutes a game, that kind of limits you as well. Yeah, I mean, he should be able to play more. I don't know if he will. I don't know what the competition is going to be like behind him either. We just need one of those articles about how everybody's in the best shape of their life. Like that's what we need. Dave McCormick in the best. Yeah, shape wait. Of who's his the life. prime candidate for that this year? Is it Dave? He's already in really good shape, though. No, but it needs to be even more. And it's I like, think it's Dewan Harris. I think the guy we hear oh. about, Dewan Harris, added fifteen pounds of muscle or something. He just comes back this muscle-bound <laughs> freak. Yeah, I don't know who else it would be. Uh, Jalen Wilson. Mm-hmm. Like cut his body fat percentage. He's just jacked now. I, somebody will. It will be somebody who yeah, added Martin, 15, 20 pounds of By getting muscle, into the D1 and then, program. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is going to ha- Book it. Book it. Book it. There will be an article this offseason about Cam Martin working with Ramsey Nijem, and he lost about 15 pounds and packed on lean muscle. He's in the best shape of his life. Oh, my God. I can't wait for it. It's going to happen. Book it right now. All right. It's 24 past the hour. This is Rock Chuck Sports Talk. FM 101. 
You already know that if you need a car wash, you need to go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. They've got all the tools and expertise to keep your car clean, both inside and on the outside. You want it clean inside because if anybody gets in your car, they're not going to want it look like a pigsty. Plus, you're going to want it clean of all those germs. You want it clean on the outside because if you're going to be pulling up in somebody's neighborhood, maybe going to see a friend, they're going to see the outside of your car and go, wow. This guy, he knows what he's doing with his car washes. That's because Tommy's Express Car Wash is going to take care of you. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax. That's right. Have it looking real spiffy. Wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush, and spot-free rinse and vacuums as well. If you're like me, you have a dog. I have a golden retriever. She sheds so much. So I need the vacuums at Tommy's Express Car Wash, and boy, do they have them. They do them right. That's wash, rinse, repeat with Tommy's Express Car Wash. And don't forget to download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's at Tommy's Express Car Wash. All right, we got uh, an NFL whip around coming your way in the next hour. I think Derek has uh, a game for us to play. And we're just really playing all the hits here the last week or so uh, of my time here at RCST. It's time to bring on a friend. Jesse Newell of the Kansas City Star. Gracious enough to bless us with his presence once again. Jesse, what's up, man? Hey, Nick, congratulations. Uh, excited to see what's become for you, and it uh, sounds like a great gig. So uh, really happy to see what's next, and looking forward to uh, getting on with Derek, too. So this yeah. should all be good. Yeah, Derek wanted me to ask you on the air, so to really hold your feet to the fire, will you will you keep coming on with him? Yes, no, maybe. Uh, no, Yes, I will. He okay. actually uh, he, he, he did a good job of asking, and, um, it was actually less likely for me to say yes with you asking, Nick. Gotcha. So gotcha. Um, I'm, I'm glad he asked in advance. Because, Sorry, Derek. Yeah, I, I definitely respect him way more than I do you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So hopefully <laughs> I didn't. Uh, hopefully I didn't hurt Derek's chances by by asking once again here. Uh, okay, I'm gonna put you to the test again. I'm gonna put you on on the clock here. Ochai Baji has a week to make his NBA decision. What's it gonna be? Man, you know you're talking to the guy over here who loves to. Uh, to look at life in terms of probabilities and numbers and, hey, if something happens that we don't know about in three days, it could change the course of everything forever. Um, I'll say he stays in the draft. Um, I, that, that's what I'll say at this moment. I, if you're asking me honestly, though, I, I still think it's split. I, I do. I think that things could change based off of what he hears in conversations that we're not going to be privy to. But, you know, we, we've talked about this. He talked earlier about how he potentially seemed to be excited to start his pro career. He wasn't in the latest mock draft for ESPN, but he was in some mock drafts before that. And all you really need at this point is a team to sort of guarantee to you that they would give you a two-way contract and give you an opportunity to prove yourself at the next level and have you know that chance to, to show what you can do. So um, I'll say he stays. I'll say he stays in even without a guarantee, guarantee that he's taken in the two rounds of uh, the NBA draft. I think that uh, he potentially could be a nice fit on a team, and we've talked about this before. He fits in very well if he's your fourth or fifth best player on the floor and playing with other superstars and happy to play his role. He seems like a guy that really could thrive in that role and also would be a great teammate and a good person to have in your locker room. So um, I'll say he stays, but that is not made. Uh, that declaration is not made with any confidence. It's kind of weird because when I go through it with him, 
and I say, all right, man, like you can knock down jumpers and you can sort of do some things in the open court and showcase your athleticism, but you disappear really easily. You you don't really have the handles to, to get by guys and you don't really have the, uh, the ability to, to go and create your own shot and you don't make a ton of high IQ plays that just scream, okay, this guy's got a world of potential. As I make that argument, like I, as to why you're not ready for the NBA, in turn, I feel myself realizing that that's actually the argument for why he should stay in the draft. Because the fact that despite all of that, there is at least some level of interest from the league in him is probably enough ammunition to say, well, if I am that guy and they're still interested, maybe I should strike while the iron's somewhat hot here. Yeah, it's a nuanced discussion, Nick, and I, I agree with you. I hear that a lot. Like, hey, he needs, come, he needs to come back and work on his handles. He needs to work, come back and work on his ball handling. He needs to show he can be a consistent scorer, all those sorts of things. And I guess my response to that would be, um, I don't know that he does, right? Um, yeah. The three and D players in the NBA, uh, again, basketball, and, and I've talked about this so many times on your show, but I, I do think it's really important to bring up is that the five guys that you have on the court are not just the five best basketball players in the world. That would make a very crappy team. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You put five Michael Jordans out there, nobody's going to pass, nobody's going to rebound. You need them to complement each other. And so some of the things you just said, I could almost see an NBA team saying, well, not that you don't want a guy to learn how to dribble or learn how to drive, but you could almost see an NBA team saying, like, good, he's not going to force it. You know, good, he doesn't have an ego about it. Good, he understands his role. And again, if he's going to be a 3 and D guy at the next level where he stands in the corner on one end and takes passes from a LeBron James type and makes open threes when he's in there, and on the defensive end, he's athletic, he can slide his feet, he can hold his own defensively, you know, he can go and, and get rebounds and loose balls and things like that, and like I said, be a good teammate in the locker room and not have an ego about himself. And all those things seem to be things that we've seen from him at Kansas and, and what the, from us interacting with him would seem to be positive to his favor. He's a good kid, you know, has the right mindset as a good teammate, all those things. Um, then, then, yeah, it's, it's almost um, what, what's the line uh, from the, the old 90s song that I'm going to bring up? You know, if you don't expect too much from me, you may not be let down. I mean, that's, that's sort of what Ochai Abadji might be looking at here. It's like if a team is going to draft him – and you have the other really good pieces in place, and you don't want him to handle the ball. You don't want him to go play make. You don't want him to be uh, – I mean, you'd love anybody to turn into an all-star, but you want him to be a complement to your already all-stars that you have on the roster, then, you know, that could be a second-round pick for you. That could be the missing piece for you. That could be the guy that isn't already on your roster. That could be a guy that develops a few more things in the NBA, but at the very minimum gives you a nice floor to work with where he can see the floor and he can coexist with other players that you already have on your roster – and get the best out of them, even if it means that he's sort of in the shadows a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think you're, you're onto something good here, Nick, which is um, there are some people out there who say, hey, well, there's things he can work on. And obviously everybody can work on things. And, and Ochai has some very, very glaring weaknesses with his game. But I think his game potentially plays up in the next level because what he does fits superstars really well. What he does fits other talented teammates really well. And again, if he can find himself in a spot where he is unselfish and doesn't care about his numbers and doesn't care if he takes a bunch of shots or is the big guy on campus, all those sorts of things, he could settle into a nice role in the NBA where teams will want him and teams would definitely see value in him. I'm getting all my takes off now, Jesse, before I leave. And I I shared one earlier that I want to relay to you. Uh, It's that I think David McCormick is going to be 
a top 10 player in college basketball next season. I can give my explanation if you want, but just on the surface, how realistic or unrealistic do you think that is? Hmm. Well, in, in what regard do you say in top hmm. 10? You're going to say like second team second All-American? Team All-American. Kind of yeah, and I, and I said if, you know, the votes fall his way, could wind up first team. I think... I think David McCormick is going to be closer to the guy that the coaches were selling him as going into last season this time around. Well, I think he has some things in his favor. I I think the obvious thing that's not in his favor is there's a lot of good players on this team. And already you look at a guy like Remy Martin and him, um, it's the thing is over time. I mean, even like Devon Dotson and Edo Kazabuki, um, the very best you can do is have two guys who are elite, elite, and what, one of them made top two teams All-America? And so at the very least, we know that Kansas probably is going to have two very good players on the team at the same time, and you could even go three, four, five. Um, you know, the 2008 team very famously didn't have an all-Big 12 first-team player on the on you know the first team for the media poll, and, and that's made a lot of, but still had a lot of players, talented players in them regard. Uh, the reason I like that, for, for you saying that and being bold, is, things that we've talked about Dave before is um, the guy's going to get up a volume of shots. I mean, that's, that's what he does. That's who he is. It's hard to change that in somebody. And for the first half of the season, that really was a liability for KU's offense. And then the second half of the season, it really was kind of what keyed them in the big 12 run is that when other guys are looking around, like who's going to shoot it, they threw it to David and he shot it and he was efficient and got to the free throw line and made those. Um, So you combine that with the fact that, He's a good rebounder, especially on the offensive end. Um, and some of those raw numbers, if you do it at a school like Kansas, those get you a lot of votes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm probably with you to say that if he can stay out of foul trouble and you know, perform the way that you can expect him to perform now in a senior season, that you could be looking at a 16-8 and eight guy for Kansas, which is a top-five team the whole, the whole season. And whether that's super efficient or not, those are going to be numbers that open eyes and get people to talk about you for All-American teams. Like I said, the big concern I would have is just that if Ochai Abaji comes back, that's a talented player who could challenge for All-American honors. If Remy Martin comes and doesn't go pro, that's definitely a guy who could challenge for All-Big 12 uh, Player of the Year and or All-Big 12 honors. Joseph Yesifu, Christian Brown, Jalen Wilson. Um, you know, it's, it's a good problem for Bill Self to have. It might be a, a bad problem if you're just, Strictly, and, and they don't do this, but you know, strictly looking at postseason awards or player awards and those sorts of things. But I can see a path to it. I, like I said, if Dave McCormick, this happens over time. If a guy scores 16, averages 16 and 8 for Kansas, and Kansas finishes in the top five nationally, you're going to get brought up. And that definitely, uh, there's a scenario for that for David McCormick if he can stay healthy and then develop and grow upon uh, what we saw from him this past season. That's it right there, man. It's if KU is going to be a top three team in the country they win the big 12 they get a one seed if you've got a big guy putting up big numbers you're going to wind up on all american lists and i just i mean you you listed a lot of it right there and yeah there's questions about remy and if, and if ochai comes back but when's the last time I, the, the, I mean the last time i can think of and not just the last time really the only time i can think of where ku had a great team a, a championship contending team and they didn't have a prolific big guy on the team was 2017 because it was Landon Lucas, right? And that seems like more of an anomaly than anything else. So I almost start from the standpoint of if this is going to be a great team, you probably have to include the fact that you're going to have a really good big man on the team. 
Yeah, the, the anchor. And, um, you know, when KU really sort of found itself for that period they did down the stretch in February and early March, that's what was going right for them a lot, is that Dave McCormick found his footing. And, and I probably mean that literally because we know <laughs> how David McCormick can be when he doesn't have his footing, when he's not on balance, when he sort of is, you know, flying out of bounds on rebounds or shot attempts and not composed, those sorts of things. But um, this kind of goes back to an earlier conversation I had with you when we talked about Christian Brown, and I think it's overlooked a little bit too much because uh, naturally in today's world we're, we're thinking about what's next and what's new and what's fresh and what we haven't seen before rather than potentially looking at guys like David McCormick and Jalen Wilson and Christian Brown and going, hey, those were good, solid, productive players at the Big 12 level last year. And now they're a year older. They're a year bigger. They're a year stronger. They're a year more composed. They're a year more in the system. And so, um, you know, it's not a stretch. It's not a stretch to say, hey, um, I mean, I'm looking at the numbers here. Dave McCormick played uh, 56% of KU's minutes last year. I mean, you're going to take the over or the under on that for next season. You'd have to take the over. I mean, come on. The guy's going to play more minutes than he did, and he already shoots up a bunch of shots. And he already averaged, you know, a lot of points for the time that he was in there. And he probably can get even a few more calls. And he's an amazing free throw shooter. So, uh, yeah, you add all that up. And uh, that's sort of maybe the, the, the place I'm more at than, than other people a lot of times is like, I'll bank on the guy who is a junior going into his senior year taking a big step forward and being really productive more than an unknown guy coming in or a true freshman coming in and, and kind of wondering about what their role is going to be and how they're going to fit into the system that they haven't been a part of yet. So, um, yeah, listen, Dan McCormick, you know, it's always, it's always razor's edge with him because if the turnaround jump shots aren't falling and if he's settling for shots that are 15 to 16 feet, uh, that's just not consistent. You know what I mean? Some games are going to go down. Some games are not going to go down and, and, some games it's going to win the game for you, and some games it's probably going to lose the game for you. But, again, just solid, steady improvement in his game and a few more minutes per game and doing things a little bit better and being a little bit stronger and being able to stay in the game a little bit more. You add all that up, and, yeah, you absolutely could have a player that you look up to in the season and you say, statistically, that looks like what normally a big self, uh, uh, Bill Self, Big 12, KU uh, big 12 winning big man looks like because that guy averaged 16 and eight. And, and that's usually what the anchor in the middle uh, does for a really productive Kansas team. Hey, another question I have to ask you since uh, my time come is about to come to an end. This is, this is really annoying to me actually that, you know, I've had to sit here and do this damn radio show for about three <laughs> or four years through the first, what was an FBI probe and then an NCAA investigation, and then infractions get handed down, level one violations, appeals uh, back and forth between the university and the NCAA and all of these different committees, and we still don't have an answer on this case. So I don't think I'm going to get one in the next seven days, which is incredibly infuriating that the NCAA not operating on my personal timeline, but when will we get one? When are we going to see finality? Is it going to happen in the fall, that was kind of the operating timeline that I think a lot of us were looking at, uh, you know, last year, last winter, or uh, early spring. That all of a sudden is right around the corner. Like, should we still be looking at something coming in the next couple of months, or do we expand this timeline a bit? Yeah, that's the million-dollar question, isn't it? Um, I would say this, and this is something to maybe think about just philosophically at this point, now that it's taken this long. Because I think a lot of people... Didn't think it would take this long, right, Nick? I mean, didn't you figure that yeah. once this new process, it would be decided by now? Okay, now that it's gone this long, 
And you think about how KU has loaded its roster up for, let's be honest, this year. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, they they want to win this year. Uh, I don't think that um, a, a postseason ban for this particular season would be a positive thing if it happened for the program. So, yeah, my question now is, you talked about you know late summer, early fall was kind of the timeline we thought. Nobody really knew the timeline because, hey, uh, this has never been done before and, you know, the – you know, they've they got to go reinvestigate everything. Um, my question now is, if you're Kansas, and this is kind of a philosophical big-picture thing, um, is there a way to just try to get this thing ruled upon after the season's over? <laughs> you know what I mean? And then just accept whatever punishment there. Because, again, um, I, I think a lot of the recruitment stuff that Bill Self has talked about and these questions he had to deal with is like, when would a potential sanctions come? When would a potential postseason ban come? And so um, it is amazing that KU sort of reloaded its roster, all these transfers, all these new guys, and uh, all that happened while this is sort of still looming over their head. So I guess if you're asking me my personal opinion, um, I would think maybe a little bit later than we were guessing, and I'm probably not even thinking 2021 anymore. And again, that's, some of that doesn't do Kansas any favors, but if Kansas is able to get this whole season in and postseason in without that ruling happening, then I think that that is something that they probably sign up for, if that makes sense. You know, if you get this season in and get this to the completion and then deal with whatever is after that, then I think KU would probably have to see that as a win. But if they came down with, let's say they came to a ruling midseason, do you think they would try and issue a punishment for that postseason? Is there precedent for that? Uh, well, again, there's no precedent for this at all because it's well, yeah. uh, the first time it's done. But I, I think it could because, remember, through the NCAA process and part of what this process is, there is no appeal. So a lot of times, like the Oklahoma State thing, what got it kicked back a year is that the school appeals. And then you got to go, back to, okay, 90 days to do this, 90 days to do that. But that's, that's sort of um, built into this particular rule book, which is like, hey, there's no appeal process. You signed up for this. You wanted the invest you know an independent body to look into this and so there's not going to be another two or three year timeline to rerun everything this is what you got so uh my answer to that what i would assume that they would potentially try and i specifically asked the ncaa vp uh you know in charge of this process that that very question a few months ago and um she didn't have a specific answer either because i asked that you know would you do that current season or the next one and a kind of a depends it, it depends answer was was sort of what she gave so um, it could be that, or uh, like you said, if there was a, a ruling midseason, maybe KU could push to have it pushed back just because, uh, you know, if we're just being honest, just, you look at the roster, you look at Remy Martin, you look at all the guys they brought in, there's a lot of eggs in the 2021-2022 basket. KU is not operating like they are expecting this thing to affect them this year. So um, having known all that and, and potentially thinking that Kansas probably knows more about this than anybody else out there, I'm thinking that this, uh, this fall timeline it might be a little bit early. We might be uh, not seeing anything on this ruling at least until 2022. He's Jesse Newell. Check out his work in the Kansas City Star, KansasCity.com. Thank you as always, man. I appreciate it, Nick. All righty. That is Jesse Newell. He's Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. All right. It is about a quarter past four, and it's time for another edition of the NFL. Whoa, 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 whoa. whip around. Is this the last Yee-haw! one? Is this the last one we'll ever do? Are we going to do one next Wednesday? I don't know. That's the question. Next Wednesday's your last show. It might be too filled with other stuff to get to. So I think we might get to another one, but I think we just assume this is the last. I, I should start doing that. Every time we do something, I should be like, 
How does that feel? This is your last one you'll ever do. Yeah, so I'm not really re- ready to commit to this being the last one yet. Okay. Uh, but maybe, or it's one of the two last, so either way, you're uh, you're running out of time here. All right, first up, if then, I give you the if scenario, you give me the then. What happens from it? If Bud Dupree, who signed with the Titans this offseason, returns back to form from his season-ending injury, then... When Bud Dupree went down, the Steelers were looking like one of the best teams in the NFL. I think they were still undefeated at that point, in large part because of the front seven defensively with T.J. Watt. And yeah, Bud Dupree, great sack artist. They need something in Tennessee. They signed Jadavian Clowney last year, and he didn't do anything. Who's he with now? The Browns? And now people are excited that the Browns have this formidable <laughs> duo of Miles Garrett and, and Clowney. Clowney didn't do anything. I think Bud Dupree is an upgrade, but yet he is coming off an, an ACL tear. I think I know what you're asking. You're asking me if I think the Titans are going to be a contender. Yeah. Listen, Julio man. Jones, Bud Dupree. No. Other guys. This is this is the, the common mistake we make in the NFL. We get We fall in love with... You know, like the sexy position players, pass rushers, pass catchers, cornerbacks, running backs. Who's your quarterback? Who's your quarterback? Is Ryan Tannehill going to the Super Bowl? Is Ryan Tannehill going to the Super Bowl? The answer is no. So what does Bud Dupree do? Probably makes them a better team in the regular season. He probably helps them win one extra game that they wouldn't have otherwise. Maybe a couple big third down sacks. Uh, if Bud Dupree is healthy, then the Titans will continue to be, you know, a threat to as a an 11, a 10, 11 win team in the AFC. But that's it. That's their ceiling. They're not going to the Super Bowl. See, not every. Here's the thing, man. Now, now you didn't even do anything, but you pissed me off. <laughs> not every good team just gets to be a contender. We do this all the time. We just immediately elevate a team from being good to, oh, they're one of the best. Oh, they can win it. They can win it all. No, they can't. Look at the other teams in the AFC. They'll never be better than Kansas City. They'll never be better than Buffalo. Hell, I don't think they're going to be better than Baltimore. They're not going to be better than Cleveland. They're just a good team. And that happens sometimes. Sometimes there are just teams that for a long period, look at the Saints, man. When's the last time the Saints went to the Super Bowl? Like, that's yeah, but they the were new, still a contender. But that's the new barometer, man. That's the new barometer. You can say I'm a contender, but were they? Are we? Is history yeah. going to look at the same? Really? Because they haven't been to a Super Bowl in the past decade. But they've been to like NFC championships. Not good enough. Like, that is a contender, right? Not good. Do you think it's good enough You're for contending? them? Contending. Do you think it's good enough for them? Well, I'm not saying it's the most successful. It's just they are contending, and in that case, no. I think they are. Like. I don't know. I think in my eyes, I kind of view it as the Chiefs. If Bud Dupree hits, now you have a little bit of a pass Bud, That's the difference to you. If Bud Dupree, that's the difference between them. Okay, wait, wait, hold on. Offense is set, right? Offense, yes, Ryan Tannehill is not the best quarterback in the world, but they are a good offense. They're a very efficient offense. Defensively, they had issues all last year. They couldn't rush the passer. So if Bud Dupree hits, again, this is if then, if Bud Dupree hits, then... All of a sudden, the defense is night and day better than it was a season ago because that is arguably the most important position on the defense, a good pass rusher. So do I put them ahead of the Kansas City? No. Do I put them ahead of Buffalo? No. I would honestly probably put them in the conversation with Baltimore ahead of Cleveland in that situation. And I think they would be a contender. They went to the AFC Championship two years ago. So could they contend for a title if they get the right matchup, if they get the right 
I don't know, a couple bad turnovers from the other team in a conference championship game? Could they go to a Super Bowl? Maybe. But yes, they are contenders. Kirk Cousins will go to a Super Bowl before Ryan Tannehill. I don't think either will, so. Okay, Kirk Cousins will win a conference championship game before Ryan Tannehill will. Well, that would still be going to the Super Bowl. Okay, I stand by it. Okay, you do that. Uh, Derek Carr had some words to say about uh, a pretty good wide receiver. Oh, no. In uh, Green Bay. Did he say that? He didn't say the one word you can't say, right? No, he did not. Okay. I've learned in this in this business, you never shut a door on anything. You know, I know that he's uh, obviously the best receiver. You know, everyone said one of the best. He's the best receiver. You know, in the NFL. You know, the guy is unbelievable. Uh, he's you know been one of my best friends. You know, since we were in college together. I love the guy. Uh, you know, he's a he's a good golfer too. He's he's a pretty good golfer. So he's he's getting good at golf. But uh, I would I, I would always welcome to play with him again. I think uh, I think it would unlock some things in both of us that people haven't seen yet you know and uh and I, i'm always open to that and I, I will be recruiting very hard so when that time comes uh it will be a full court press okay i think i know you know who it is yeah he's referring to is marquez valdez scantling right <laughs> no that is incorrect he's referring to pro bowl receiver Devonte adams huh so apparently playing with Derek carr would unlock some things in Devonte adams game that we haven't seen yet as if Aaron Rodgers wasn't enough. It's it's such a hilarious implication that, like, uh, he's kind of being held back in Green Bay. You know, you come play with Daddy, though, I'm, I'm going to bring the best out of you. Okay, but this was Devontae yeah, is this Adams' a two response. Way, is this a two-way street? Yeah, this is, by the way, this is on, like, ABC 30. Uh, I don't know where. But Devontae Adams, here's what he said. I interviewed your former teammate, Derek Carr, just a couple days ago, and he said, how much he'd be looking forward to playing with you possibly next year. Yeah, Just what are your thoughts stir on that? something up. You stir something up with that one. Yeah, I sorry. <laughs> um, I mean, I can't have too many thoughts on it right now, but, uh, you know, I'll uh, – I'll just continue to be me and, and just let this thing kind of work itself out and see what what happens. Obviously, I love Derek to death. We got a, a great friendship and um, we still communicate really, really consistently. He's one of my one of my best friends. So um, obviously, it'd be a dream uh, to be able to play with him. But uh, you know, I'm a Packer now, so uh, until that point uh, where we make that decision, I guess we just gotta we'll see what happens. So, do you view that as oh, I just gotta avoid the tampering talk? But he said it would be a dream to play with him. It would be a dream. So if not a dream come true. A it would be like <laughs> it would be a bad dream. I hope somebody would wake me but up. Still dream. Somebody shake me, slap me, <laughs> throw water on my face, wake me up. He says he's best friends with him. If the Raiders had Devontae Adams, then why do we have to do this? <laughs> There's not much going on right now. Okay. At least you admit it. Uh if the Raiders had Devontae Adams. They'd still be the third best team in the AFC West. Mm, wouldn't bump them to two? No. Would they be a playoff team? No. Close. No. What do you mean? Not even close? They're not a good team. What like do you mean? Nine and eight, close no. to a playoff team. Nine and eight? What? That's close to a playoff team. Well, how are you getting nine and eight? Oh, it's a 17-game yeah. schedule now. You're already ahead of the game. Uh, No. No, I'm not going to do that. They're a 500 team. No. No. They're not good. Come on, stop. But Derek Carr said, are you calling Derek Carr a liar? He said it would take our games to different levels. Are you calling Derek Carr a liar? It would take Devontae Adams' game to a le- to a lesser level. 
and it would slightly elevate Derek Carr's game because he could just step back and throw to number 17 22 times a game. So, yes, I, I, I'm not calling him a liar. I believe that it would take them to different levels, not necessarily better levels, just different ones. Okay, fine. Are they good? The Packers, if they had Derek Carr instead of Aaron Rodgers, they say, oh, we hear Devontae Adams. He's a free agent next year. We want to keep him. He's talking about he's best friends with this guy. We have a problem at quarterback. What do we do? Oh, Las Vegas is one of the teams that is supposedly rumored for Aaron Rodgers. Why don't we trade them Aaron Rodgers, get back a couple first-round picks, get Derek Carr in return. So are the Packers still good if they have Derek Carr instead of Aaron Rodgers? So they won 13 games last year. You know, how many of those games is Aaron Rodgers solely responsible for? They don't really do wins over replacement, you know. But I'm looking at the numbers here. 48 touchdowns, five interceptions. (laughs) It was the best season of his career in terms of avoiding sacks. He was only sacked 20 times in 16 games, which is... I mean, remarkable. We have four fumbles. That's it's nine giveaways in a full season. That, to me, of those 13 wins is probably worth nine of them. So, no. The Packers would not be a good team with Derek Carr. I think they'd be the exact same team the Raiders are. I think they'd be a 500 team. Not good. Hmm. I think the Packers have a better defense than the Raiders do. I think they have better weapons around the quarterback than the Raiders do. So, I think that's worth... If you switch Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers, I still think they're like a 10-win team. So I think they're good-ish. I don't, I don't, I disagree. Now, to back to your contenders conversation, they're not a contender. Okay. But maybe a playoff team. I'm clearly in the boat that everybody sucks right now. <laughs> yeah, you so are. Just no, capitalize on that while you can. Your butt. Uh, are they good? The NFL canceling the supplemental draft for the second straight year. No, that's not good. Mm. Um, I mean, guys, some of my favorite supplemental draft picks, Terrell Pryor. Mm-hmm. Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon. Uh, various other players. <laughs> Can you name one more guy that was in the supplemental no, draft? I can't. So are they what is that what is that signaling from the NFL that we just don't need any more of these players? Uh no, I think it's just dependent year to year. You know, like there are only specific situations that lead to a player being eligible for the supplemental draft. You have to be draft eligible to begin with, then basically you went from maybe you were on your team. Back when it was February and you had the draft decision and you're going into your senior year, I mean, and then you have to get kicked off the team in between you saying, like, yeah. you're coming back or whatever it is. Like, there has to be very special circumstances. They just said they don't have, like, the draft pool this year. And that was the case last year. I think last year it might have even been because of COVID. So, like, Josh Gordon, special case. Terrell Pryor, special case because you get, I forget if he was kicked off the team. I don't think he was kicked off. I think he was just supposed to be suspended. Chris Carter. Or ineligible Chris Carter was a supplemental draft pick. Okay. There you go. This is bad that there's no supplemental draft because those are good players. Yeah. Good-ish. What's going to happen to those? I mean, you're talking about a future Hall of Famer right there. Bernie Kosar. Mm. Bosworth. Brian Boz. The Boz. You're referring to uh, Terrell Pryor as a future Hall of Famer? No. I was referring Uh, to the other guys. Yeah. Josh Gordon. That one really good season. Yeah. Probably not going to do it. No. No, I I don't think they're good. Just have them in the normal draft. I don't know. Or if they well, I think it is good canceling it. The NFL needs yeah. less players. Less okay. let's stop watering <laughs> down the players. talent pool. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Uh all NFL teams with the latest the Indianapolis Colts have now been approved for full capacity crowds. Is that good? Isn't that gonna be awesome? 
after last year. I'm just excited. To be, the NFL crowds are going to go crazy. More, I think college football is going to be the craziest sport to return. But the NFL is going to be right there. Like Arrowhead, chief amongst them. You don't think of... Unintended. You don't think of the NFL uh, in terms of some other sports in terms like the environment that a home crowd can have on it. I'm excited to see what Las Vegas looks like. Right? They opened a new stadium without any fans. That's going to be cool when the Chiefs go play in Vegas. That'll be fun. I think Arrowhead's obviously going to be rocking, but there's not a lot of stadiums that I think about just in terms of I would love to see what that's like, but even if you're not going to games, like the atmosphere on television is just going to be ramped up so much. And I think it'll make us appreciate that sort of stuff more than we did before COVID hit. But what if it's bad? What if it leads to too many false starts and sloppy play, players not remembering how I'm to okay play with that. under the lights? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Better than, we'll go back to the classic, just in case this is your final NFL whip round. Kirk Cousins, been a mainstay on are they good, or I mean mm-hmm. better than Kirk Cousins. So first up, Derek Carr with Devontae Adams. Is he better than Kirk Cousins? No, because Kirk Cousins still has Justin, Justin Jefferson, Jefferson Adam and Adam Thielen. Thielen. And, but I think they're actually pretty comparable. And then if you're adding Der- or Devontae Adams, I'm not on that. Receiver, I'm not on that train anymore. You don't think they're comparable? No, I think Kirk Cousins is significantly better. Mm. Hmm. 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 He may not steal the headlines. He may not have the quotes. But do either steal the headlines? Yeah, clearly, <laughs> I mean, Derek Carr made the headlines today talking about Devontae Adams. I am firmly in the camp that Kirk Cousins better quarterback than Derek Carr. I'd rather have him on my team, regardless of who he's throwing to. Kirk Cousins better than Derek Carr. I think they're about a wash. So give me Devontae Adams. I'll take Derek Carr. You think Devon? You'd rather have Devontae Adams? Than, what are you gonna do about it? I'm not gonna do anything. But you'd rather have Devontae Adams than getting to have both Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. Yeah, but he also has Darren Waller. Darren, who cares? Would you rather have Darren Waller or Adam Thielen? Adam Thielen. That's a bad question. Would yeah, you rather a, have Darren Waller, question. Darren Waller, Henry Ruggs, and Josh Jacobs, or Adam Thielen? That's not the way it works. Well, that's how I'm, I'm comparing. Well, I wanna, do I get Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook? No. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Kellen Mond, ever. Will Kellen Mond, the current Vikings backup quarterback who they just drafted, will he ever be better than what Kirk Cousins is right now? Kellen Mond... Uh, we're going to say he went to Florida. No. This is not where Texas he Texas a and I'm yeah. thinking of Kyle Trask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Kellen Mond from Texas A&M. Uh, wasn't he a big-time recruit coming out of high school? I would assume so if he's at Texas A&M. Well, Johnny That's Manziel. That's generic. Thing. Oh, I heard he has. He can throw the ball. Well, he can really spin he it. He can really... <laughs> Johnny Menzel was a Texas A&M quarterback, and he wasn't a big recruit. So, what do you got there? Uh, no, I don't think Kellen was any good in college. So, no, I don't think he'll ever be better than Derek Carr. I don't mm-hmm. think he'll ever be a starting quarterback. Oh, it was then Kirk Cousins. So, what about him? No, never, oh, definitely okay. not better okay. than Kirk Cousins. Uh, yeah, I agree. I don't think he'll be better. But I know some think he has really good potential, like uh, Chris Sims. He's been all aboard the Kellen Mond hype train. Uh, Baker Mayfield, is he better than Kirk Cousins? Uh, yeah, he's better than Kirk Cousins. I think so. And I think we'll see it more so this year than we saw last year. Last year, they sort of relied upon the run game. Um, but Odell Beckham Jr. comes back healthy. I think, uh, I think that offense maybe is, uh, 
taking to the next step, to the next level, to quote Derek Carr. Kevin Stefanski, year two, opening up the playbook a little bit. Yeah, I, uh, I'll i take Baker over Cousins. I will too, but I think it is kind of close-ish. I don't know. Kevin Stefanski did well with Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins actually did better this year without him, maybe. I don't know. Uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, is he better than Kirk Cousins? No, he is not. No explanation needed. Um, what about in the big game? You're in the Super Bowl. Who's your quarterback? Kirk Cousins. But he struggles in the big uh, game, I don't care. Nick. I don't care. You don't want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick in the Super Bowl? I do want to see Ryan Fitzpatrick well, then pick in the Super Ryan Bowl. Fitzpatrick. Just, just not on my team. <laughs> just not on my team. I want to see him on the other sideline. All right, next segment. Who's older? I, like, selfishly want you to go 0-5 uh, one of these last times. See what I can do. Is. Newly released offensive lineman, six-time Pro Bowler David DeCastro, or now retired wide receiver Demarius Thomas. Uh, give me David DeCastro. DeCastro, 31. Thomas, 33. Mm. Cowboys quarterback, Dak Prescott, or Titans running back, Derrick Henry. Uh, Henry's like 27. Dak's got to be right around there. I'll say Derrick Henry's older. Mm. Derrick Henry, 27, turns 28. Not till 2022. Dak Prescott, 27, turns 28 at the end of July. Rams offensive lineman Andrew Whitworth said this could be his last season. Or Green Bay head coach Matt LaFleur. Uh, Whitworth like 36, but LaFleur's got to be older than that. So I'll say LaFleur older. Andrew Whitworth is 39. Oh my Matt LaFleur. Does that change your? No, no. Okay, Matt LaFleur is 41. One and two. So you avoided the over. Atlanta head coach Arthur Smith or Philadelphia head coach Nick Sirianni. Mm, Nick Sirianni looks pretty young. So I'll say Arthur Smith's older. Arthur Smith, 39. Nick Sirianni, 40. I can't. Wow, what a horrible week. Losing week. Will it be even worse than that? Fox analyst and former NFL quarterback Troy Aikman or Washington football team owner Dan Snyder? Uh, Dan Snyder, definitely older. Troy Aikman, 54. Dan Snyder, 56. Yeah, I knew that one. That was easy. All right, two and three week, but it's still a losing week for you. Last segment. Where are they at? Former Broncos first-round pick. Paxton Lynch signed with a new team yesterday. Where he at? Mm, Paxton Lynch still in the league. Wow, that's a bit of a surprise. He's in. A, well, go ahead. No, he's in. Uh, uh, he's in a. Uh, uh. I'm gonna say that you were saying he's in Atlanta. Atlanta no. Falcons. I was gonna say he's in a league, but what league would that be? Oh come on, he's not in the NFL. Paxton Lynch is with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Oh, you're a loser. <laughs> This is the NFL whip around. He was in the NFL. Not in the CFL whip around. Not the FL whip around. All right, that's the NFL whip around. <laughs> we joked yesterday that this big soccer tournament going on is actually called Euro 2020. They, I guess, already had the merchandising and the and the pennants made from last year. And they didn't want to, you know, it's COVID, so everybody's losing money. They didn't want to reprint them, so they just kept the same name. Euro 2020, I told you at the beginning of this event that I put money on Germany. I believe I got them at 14 to 1. Haven't caught any of their games. They're in the quarterfinals. They're still no, alive. just kidding. They lost yesterday. Did they really? Yeah, they lost uh, to England 1-0. To who? England. Damn. So how many teams are left? Eight in the quarterfinals. Okay, so I don't know any of those teams except for Switzerland. <laughs> I know Switzerland's yeah, alive. France. 
So anytime I don't know the names of players that are playing an event, it opens the door for a new game. So what's the game we're going to be playing today? Euro 2020 soccer player or Tour de France. Is it biker? Is it cyclist? It's bicyclist. It's definitely cyclist. Okay. Well, uh, I kind of want to call him biker. I think that's funnier. Okay. That's Euro fine. 2020 player or Tour de France biker. So this is college football season. I'm going to ask you, we'll have wins or losses based on how you do. Over the course of this 12-game regular season schedule, we'll determine you make your conference championship if you make the playoff. And breaking news, the 12-team playoff has been instituted into your season, Nick. Wow! So you have a better chance of making the playoff Dude, now. if I don't make the playoff, I'm going to go insane. <laughs> thank you for this opportunity. I thank the committee. This is the only thing that could possibly save my job. All right, week one, Richard Carapaz. <laughs> this is going to be impossible. Richard Carapaz? Well, you know, a car, if you're on a bike, you wouldn't pass a car. Uh-huh. So I'm going to say, and, but if you play soccer, you would pass the ball. So I'm going to mm-hmm. say Richard Carpaz, uh, uh, Euro 2020. Tour de France. He is 18 to 1 to win the Tour de France, which uh, actually puts him, I think, third among uh, odds. Great. Second one odds. All right, own one start. Uh, week two, Kylian Mbappe. Mbappe. I'm going to say that's Euro 2020. He was the French young star player who missed the uh, penalty kick that lost him the game at the that's end. That's right. You you actually, I think you brought up his name. That's probably why I, th- I thought of him. Mbop. Uh One on one. N'Golo Conte. N'Golo Conte. I'm going to say Euro 2020. Plays for France as well. Two and one start. Not bad. You shuck off the early loss. All right. Into conference play. Tadej Pagacar. Tadej Pagacar. Pagacar, Pagacar, Pagacar. Another car. Another car. Last time there was a car, it was a cyclist. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with that trend. I'm gonna say, uh, Tour de France cyclist. Might be a trend. Yeah. Tour de France. He's the favorite. Minus one fifty. Let's go. Three and one start. I'm back. I am back. Romelu Lukaku. Come again. Romelu Lukaku. Lukaku. Romelu. Romelu Lukaku. A lot, of, a lot of consonants there. Rumelu. I'm going to say Rumelu. That sounds French. Rumelu. Rumelu Ukaku. Lou. Lou Kaku. I'm going to say that is Euro 2020. He's Belgian, not French, mm. but that is correct. Four and one. Lorenzo Insigne. Ooh. Lorenzo Insigne. That, oh, that sounds Italian. <laughs> I'm going to say Tour de France cyclist. He is Italian. You got that part of it right, but no, he is on the Italian national team. Uh, okay, your second loss. You're four and two now. Manuel Locatelli. 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 Hey, mamma mia. It's a Locatelli. Probably safe to assume he's Italian as well. Cyclist. He is also on the Italian national team. Italy just destroying Nick. All right, four and three. You got to basically win out if you want a chance at the playoff. Primo's Roglic. What? Primo's Roglic. Roglic. R O G L I C. Tour de France. Right, good bounce back. Five and three. He is six to one, which is second among odds. Julian Alaphilippe. Julian Alaphilippe. Felipe. Um. 
Julian sounds like the name of a cyclist. Alaphilippe. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Nick. Tour de France. Got it. Went with your gut. He's 35 to 1 to win the Tour de France. All right, you're 6 and 3 now. You have two losses in conference. I guess you can get the automatic bid if you win your conference. Which yeah, is that's on the, the thing. That's the thing, man. Memphis Depay. Memphis Depay. Spelled Depay. D E P A Y. Memphis? I'll say. It translates to Money of Tennessee. Euro, Euro 2020. Mm, you sure about that? Yeah. You positive? Come on. That is correct. Uh, seven and three start. Wout Van Art. Wout? W O U T. Van Art. Van Art. Tour de France. Eight and three. He is 50 to one. All right, this is I'm your alive. this is your regular I'm season alive, finale. Man. You are in the conference championship no matter what, but come you want on. this for better seating. Come on, Luca Modric. Luca Modric. Yes. Modric. Spell Modric. M O D R I C. I feel like I know that name, mm. but I don't. There's no way I do. <laughs> There's no way I do. Are you thinking of Luka Doncic? Oh, yes. This is the point guard for the Ma- the Dallas Mavericks. Does he do one of these other sports, too? Modric. I just, my gut, my gut tells me soccer player. You going to trust your gut? It's led me astray so many times before. Luka Modric. I will say Luka Modric is uh, Euro 2020. All right, nine and three. He is on Croatia. I You're on that. to your conference I need, championship. Dude, I had game. to have that one. Paul Pogba. I know this. You do? Yeah. Okay, what is it then? <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. Euro 2020. Yes, he's on the French national team. I right, knew that team. Ten and three. That name. You weren't good enough to get one of the top four spots, but you were good enough to be, I don't know, you're hosting. You're I got a home first. game? Yeah, you got the eight seed. I got a home postseason game, and they wanted to fire me midseason. <laughs> Nairo Quintana. Nairo Quintana. Give me the name. I need the teams in the in the that are left in the soccer cup. I need them. Um, I'm not going to list all eight, dude. It's too many. This is anybody who's been in the Euro, so it's not just teams who are left. Okay. Are Spain and Portugal in this? Yes. I don't think anybody from Switzerland is going to be named Quintano. <laughs> but yes, Spain and Portugal are in this. What's his name? Nairo Quintana. Quintana? I mean, I guess there could be a Spanish cyclist, but they mostly seem to come from Central and Eastern Europe. Not that I pay... What do I even... <laughs> what am I even saying? Like, I pay any attention to any of them. Like, I have any clue. Nairo Quintana. 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 I will say... Euro 2020. You sure? Yeah. Positive? Yeah. Final answer. Come on. Ah! Tour de France, 125 to 1. What country is he from? I have no idea. Do some research. <laughs> hey, I gave you the odds. God. He's from Colombia. Of course he is. Oh. 
You want to do rapid fire what on what only, you would have had next? What is he, the only Colombian cyclist ever, honestly? Jeez. What? Jan Somer would have been the next one. Soccer. Mm. Then it would have been Kevin De Bruyne. Cyclist. No matter what. Yep. I would have given it more time and probably would have ended up getting the right answer anyway. Oh, okay. Ah. I hope that's not my last run. I think we need to play all the hits on the last day. <laughs> okay. We have to play the full day games. Yeah, we on on next Wednesday we have to play all the hits and uh we'll bring everything back. Give myself one last run. All right. That is Euro 2020 or Tour de France Cyclist. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk.